Homeschool Dad Podcast, helping dads to help their homeschool families, episode number 14, Field Trips. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Rick, and welcome to another episode of the Homeschool Dad Podcast. We're helping dads to help their homeschool families. This week, we're going to be talking a little bit about field trips. Uh, when I was a kid, man, I loved field trips. They just really helped to break up the monotony of the school schedule. Uh, I was raised primarily in uh, Bellevue, Washington, I guess from the age of like 2 to 16. And uh, we could be assured that there was almost always going to be a trip to the zoo in Seattle and almost always a trip to visit the tide pools at low tide somewhere in the Seattle area. Uh, of course, up through junior high, you know, as in the elementary ages. You know, we go down, we look at the starfish and all the, the little sea creatures and collect a couple of shells. Uh, the day would always include the ubiquitous brown bag lunch as we sat on a big rock and we watched the, wa- the waves roll in and out. And, uh, you know, what a great time that was. Well, you know, it's important that we include such adventures for our homeschool students. And uh, for a lot of the same reasons. First, you know, it does break up the school year, giving them an adventure they might not have otherwise. Sometimes it's just kind of nice to break things up like that. Well, second, it's just fun, and there's no reason not to just have fun, you know, doing school. Uh, but another reason, another more serious reason for the field trip is that it takes them uh, out of the classroom and into the world to experience something that they were studying probably already, you know, a quarterly uh, unit study, something like that. For instance, when I was in Seattle, in the Seattle area, we usually did some unit study on the local Indian tribes, uh, the Nez Pierce tribes uh, of that area. And so, you know, we'd study Chief Seattle and we'd study, you know, the Indians, uh, Native Americans, uh, now they're called. And uh, then we would visit some museum about that group. We would study oceanography and we'd take a trip to the ocean. Uh, these trips made the unit study really come alive. A really good field trip might, uh, you know, take a lot of advanced planning, maybe, maybe a year in advance. Look at your curriculum being taught for the coming year and see if there isn't something that might be beneficial. Sometimes you might be surprised at what's available right outside your door. But there is a place for a field trip that really has nothing to do with what you're studying, but just opens the students' minds to new and exciting things. And we'll look at that in a few moments as well. Uh, one place uh, that is great for group field trips, that, that might be... Um, your local homeschool co-op, if you belong to one. It's a great opportunity. Usually homeschool co-ops are, are kind of putting those kinds of things together. There's uh, power numbers that often a larger group might not be able to have more access uh, to um, than if it was just your family. So, you know, something to consider. Uh, we've done several with our local co-op, even though we really don't participate in anything else uh, with these groups. And dads, if, if you're a tightwad like me, you're going to find that uh, the really great thing of field trips is that they really don't have to cost much more than the gas to get you there and back. Maybe, you know, your brown bag if you do that. Uh, we have paid admissions to a few things. and We certainly have driven long distances uh, to see something special. But all in all, the trips really don't have to cost that much at all. The best trips that we've had have been those that didn't cost anything. One thing that I find really, really important is that your kids need to have an appreciation for the area where they live. Uh, when I lived in Seattle, for instance, we took trips to the ocean and the fish market and the Seattle Underground. So we learned about Seattle. Um, we studied how the city developed and the cultures, the past and the present. In California, we studied you know, John Steinbeck, the gold rush, uh, life in San Francisco Bay, uh, trips to the Presidio, Golden Gate Bridge. So when Mary and I decided to sink our roots in south central Kentucky, we made a decision that we would really help our kids to appreciate 
where we live. We actually chose to live where we live because we liked it. Uh, we're one of the few people that live here uh, on purpose. I, I mean, I mean that kind of tongue in cheek, but most people that live here, they were born here or they married somebody and got transplanted here, but not very many people. I, in fact, I don't know that I've met anybody who just said, you know, this is a great place to live. We think we want to live there. We're the only ones. Well, when we first moved here, we met an older gentleman who lives uh, just a few miles from us who had never once been to Mammoth Cave National Park, a place very close. In fact, he could have walked if, if he'd wanted to. Uh, two million people trek through to the National Park annually to visit the caves, and it was really astonishing to me that uh, he'd never been. But then we often ignore those treasures in our own backyard, don't we? So Mary and I... Uh, make sure that each year we take a trip to the park. Sometimes we, we pay the money to take the underground tours, even though we have a couple of very large caves on our own property. There's something about having a ranger explain you know, life in the area and the formations in the caves. It makes it just a little bit special. Now, we've taken two such local field trips. One was just literally three to four minutes from our home. Uh, we thought we were going into the traditional uh, the, the cave tours that they do, and instead the uh, the ranger took us to a cemetery that's right at the entrance of the National Park and something we drive by all the time. And it was such a, a wonderful experience because uh, this woman really uh, opened our eyes to some things. And, I, and I, I'll be honest, the first you know five minutes, I thought, what are we doing in a cemetery? We're here for a cave tour. But we really weren't. We were there to learn about the culture of the area. And as such... Um, she had us notice some things about the uh, this, the cemetery, the headstones. We, we spent a lot of time looking at these headstones, noticing that the age was very young. There were very few people who were um, buried in old age. We looked at the birth and the date. Uh, birth and death dates, and we you know look at figure out the age and stuff. So there's a little math involved for some of the kids. We took um, cemetery rubbings, you know, where they put a big piece of paper and some chalk, and we would rub and and look at the uh, the, the sayings and so forth. And we we learned that you know a lot of these uh, gravestones were for very young people. You know, these were 100 years ago, and that it was often because of a, a very simple disease to cure today. And so uh, she taught us a lot about the the history. One of the things that you know, we learned about where we live. We happen to actually, my, my wife and I live in a very small little piece of property, a little, little farm, um, again, three or four minutes from the cemetery. But this area was known 100 years ago plus for uh, forestry, for logging. And in fact, the, the area that my wife and I live was a community at one time. There was a post office, I understand. There was a school. We actually can see the foundation for where the school uh, was, just about a mile and a half from our home, on the same road that we live on. We, you know, we drive by this location um, at least a couple times a day. And anytime we have to go in and out of our home, we have to drive by this, this flat area. And it turns out that's where the school was. So we learned about life and, uh, you know, that they were loggers and they were all men. And so what was that like, you know? And so it was a great experience for our kids. And, you know, my kids have had a real wonderful appreciation for where we live because they realized, you know, hey, 100 years ago, this was all wooded. And, uh, you know, the areas now where they might see corn growing or something, there was probably a forest there and it was being logged and that the, the donkeys would drag these logs through the woods. And what a wonderful experience. Now, we've taken other tours. Uh, one other that's really close by, we actually have a, um, a pretty famous uh, stagecoach stop uh, about five or six miles away and uh, that stagecoach stop has some uh, the ruins of a, a tavern uh, Bell's Tavern and uh, there's some very significant uh, architectural features of this uh, 
tavern that was being built was never com- uh, completed, uh, but the way that the stone was cut, the stonemasons uh, put this uh, building together, was done by some slaves. And uh, so we learned about the history of Bell's Tavern and the archaeology uh dig that's going on there. We we had some fun. Now, on that particular trip, for one reason or another, my wife did not uh, come. I don't know if I had a sick child or if she wasn't feeling well or she just needed a break, but it was a great experience for me to just take the kids, and we had fun. We ate lunch there. We just had a really wonderful experience, you know, being a dad and the kids. And you know, guys, sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to help our wives by just taking a break. Take the kids away and let them uh, experience something. You know, I, I wouldn't want to take my uh, my kids away and do something that was really uh, one of these eye-opening adventures. You know, take them to the Grand Canyon or something like that. But, you know, there's times when maybe it's good to kind of take the kids away a little bit. Let mom relax and kind of have that downtime. Now, we've done other tours that, again, where we had to travel quite a bit. Uh, we went to the state... Um, the state house, the, the Capitol building where, where we live in Kentucky. We took a tour. We got to sit in the Supreme Court um, room, actually, where they, they actually hold the Supreme Court today. Uh, it was not in session, obviously. We got to go sit in the chambers. Uh, we found out the, the, the gentleman, um, and I think his name was Brother Joe, that, that is the chaplain for Kentucky, uh, is the only non-paid chaplain in um, the United States for the state capitals. And... Uh, He's a, a, a tremendous guy and actually has done a lot to defend homeschool rights for us. And so it was a, a, a really great experience for us to hear Brother Joe talk about all these things and to give us a tour and to talk about, you know, what he's doing there. And, uh, you know, I really encourage you to let your kids see, you know, how homeschooling is is growing in your community and what rights we have. And, you know, it was great. We got to actually go in when our uh, state assembly was meeting. Uh, on the day that we went there, our our local representative for the county where we live uh, uh, acknowledged us. You know, we were in the gallery, and he acknowledged us on the the, the floor of the um, the state, and uh, actually had us come down. We got to take our pictures while while it was in session. You know, our state. Uh, assembly, you call it state representatives, state congressmen, wherever you live. It was a great experience. We got pictures taken, and the kids had that great memory. It didn't cost us anything. It took us the drive to go to Frankfurt. We had lunch there. We got to experience a lot of great things. We also went to a museum about Kentucky history while we were there. And what a wonderful experience. So, you know, look around. There might be some great things for you where you can do some of those kinds of things as well. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I really encourage you to look at is some of the businesses around you. You know, a lot of these the factories or, or big businesses love to have students come through. The, now, these kinds of groups typically are going to be something you have to do with a larger group. For instance, where we live, the Corvette plant, where they make the uh, the world's greatest car, the Corvette, is not too far from our house. And I know that we tried to get a, a group into the Corvette plant, and they do have a, a minimum requirement. You can't just, uh, you know, you and your 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 bud go in there you've got to have kind of a group and so the bigger the better on that kind of situation uh, unfortunately for us when we tried to go they were retooling for a new model and uh the corvettes kept pretty secret um even in the local area a lot, a lot of the folks don't know what's coming up with the new models so we happened to be going when they were switching i think it was from the c5 to the c6 and so uh, we couldn't really get in at that time but uh you know find a maybe a, a place that that makes a product uh where you can see that being made kids love that kind of stuff an assembly line situation i remember when i was a kid we went to a bread factory uh you know watching just massive loaves i think it was the wonder bread uh, where there was just this incredible assembly line, and whoa, the smells. I'll give you little samples. That's kind of fun. It would be great if they give you a sample at the Corvette plant. But anyway, um, you know, look around at some of the businesses in your area and see if that's not something that you can do. 
certainly outdoor adventures uh, appeal to a lot of kids. That that, that te- seems to be the, one of the biggest draws. You know, going to a park, going to some outdoor activity. Uh, those are the kinds of things that really you know you might want to plan those things well in advance. Make sure you get good weather. You know, one of the things I learned growing up in the Seattle area is always have a backup plan for if you have an outdoor adventure, have an indoor adventure. Uh, you heard the jokes about it always rains in Seattle. Well, that's pretty true. And so, you know, I know that there were a lot of times when we had an activity plan that was uh, an outdoor activity. We always had to have an indoor activity. Well, a lot of us kids, you know, growing up, we had the, the rain slickers, you know, the uh, the latex rubber booties and, and uh, pants and jackets. So we, we were pretty used to living in the rain, but uh, sometimes you don't want to do that. You want to have those indoor activities as well. So look around. Make sure you've got something that's indoor-outdoors, you know, where we live, the caves. They pretty much stay the same way year-round. It's going to be 55 degrees, and it doesn't rain inside a cape. So, you know, those things are going to be safe, but look around you and see what kind of things you might else want to do. Museums in the area, uh, some great opportunities. So a little bit of a shorter podcast today. do want to just encourage you, you know, look at your schedule. Think about, you know, what is it that we can do as a family that we might be able to just break away? I know, you know, uh, we're right now studying Civil War. We're very excited to be able to go to the... Um, Jefferson Davis Memorial in, uh, oh, I forget the name of the town. It's just a little bit south of Bowling Green. There's a big 300-plus uh, foot uh, monument to uh, Je- Jefferson Davis, Confederate president. And there's a museum on Confederate history uh, where we live. You know, it's a it's a real big deal. I was raised in the West Coast. We didn't care one about the Civil War and, and the East and the, or the North and the South, you know. And it uh, wasn't a big deal for us. But, uh, you know, I understood the history. Well, now I live right in the middle of it. So we're going to take some time. You know, we're going to probably wait till next month, until October, when the fall's here, and we can have a day of it. I'll take a Friday. We'll, we'll go down and, and take those tours and really help the kids to really appreciate Civil War history. It's something that we're in the middle of right now. But look around you. Look at your schedule. Look at your lessons and say, hey, you know, what can we do to kind of break away for a day? You know, get away from it all. Pack a lunch and just go experience something firsthand. I hope that uh, you find something there. Well, don't have a lot of uh, other things today. Didn't have any... Um, any really significant comments? Got a couple guys, you know, just encouraging me, and I always appreciate those. Uh, no particular questions. You got a question? Send it to me at thehomeschooldad at gmail dot com. Uh, welcome to all the, those guys that are uh, just added on this this uh, past week. We're going to talk about setting schedules next week, and it's really kind of a generic homeschool, not necessarily something to the dads, but just something that might help you a little bit, uh, you and your wife, as you're planning your homeschool schedule. We're going to talk about setting a schedule and the importance of keeping to a schedule next week, and then we're going to get into politics on the the following week and, uh, you know, how politics can play a part of the homeschool. And I think that'll be a really uh, interesting one. We're kind of seeing more and more activity with the political schedule ramping up for next year's election. Can you believe it? Here it is, September. We're already looking at next year's election, but it's uh, certainly a, an important subject. And we're going to talk about how to approach that. So give me a give me a shout again, 206-888-4464 to leave a comment. Love to hear from you, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, you know what? Probably should have mentioned the email address. <laughs> the homeschool dad at gmail dot com. Thanks guys. Bye.